listening to Women with Ambition and I'm your host Sani Abdullah Close. Before I introduce my guest tonight, I want to share feedback from someone close to our family. He's not only my uncle but he's a very liberal Pakistani man I know of. He said you are telling me through your story that you are a weak woman. You suffered at the hands of society and other women. His feedback is very important to me not only because how much he matters to our family but also because how men in Pakistan receive this. So I shared with him what I wanted to express through my story and I thought it would be a good idea to share with you all. I think many of us are taught from our childhood to dream big. If it's not big, it's not overarching. Where you are the protagonist, then it's not a dream. The goal is not worthwhile and the ambition is not strong. I have a different point of view on that. I think having dreams is very important, but adding connotations of power and strong is not okay. Our dreams should be rough and unrealistic. Our families, our parents, teachers, and society at large very subtly take our imagination away and give us a cookie-cutter version of how an ambition should be. My problem is to attach expectations with those imaginations. The expectations of success and pressure of failure become so heavy that most of the time we just break down on the way to achieve our goals. How a woman should be, how a mother should be, how a grandmother should be when nobody tells a man how he needs to be in any of his roles. This is the point I want to emphasize through my story and through this podcast. That I never said I was a victim, but maybe people in general have assigned meanings to our words. A powerful story is the one when a victim stands up. I will call her a survivor, but maybe some view that only power comes from the hands of powerlessness. I know for the fact that women around the world are victim of rape, sex trafficking, physical assault, acid attacks, and many such unfortunate happenings. I'm talking about the violence that never makes a headline, the suppression that is labeled as kargaristi where society fits a woman in the box of accepted norms. I'm talking about the story of millions of women who suffer from fear and self-doubt every day for their whole lives. I'm talking about every woman who musters up her courage to leave the home to pursue her dreams. I remember in Pakistan when I talked to a close friend of mine about my ex cheating on me. I got the response, Dear, all men are alike. All mothers-in-law are shady. Life is like that after marriage. This is the story of every home. Blah, blah, blah. Basically, they were saying me without saying, Girl, why are you complaining? We are all in this shithole together. This is what it is. My response to that mindset is, Listen. You perhaps signed up for that shithole. I'm sorry, I did not. You had no dreams, perhaps I had. 
This life is given to me once. I have one chance to live, and I have this choice to make. I wanted a relationship with respect and equality, and maybe that wasn't your priority. It's okay for you, but don't tell me to settle for less. So coming back to my ambition, I'm not telling people to live my dream. I'm telling women to define their own dreams. You don't have to have a story of Malala to rise and shine. We are architects of our own stories. We live with our pains and we determine our journeys. We are heroes of our own stories. We take a short break and we'll be right back with our guest tonight. Stay tuned. My guest tonight is an inspiring woman from Pakistan. She's accomplished, self-made, and unstoppable in her endeavors, Ms. Farit Asif. Farit is the president of Institute of Peace and Diplomatic Studies. She is a Pakistani writer and also a human rights and peace activist. For the last 15 years, Farit is working to promote peace, development, and dialogue. She's won several awards. Tonight, we'll learn about her journey and her personal story. Hi, Farit. Thank you for joining us tonight. My first question to you is, tell us who was little for it, Asif. What was your journey and personal story? Where did you grow up? Thank you so much, Sanya, for inviting me to your podcast. Uh, it's amazing to see women like you too, uh, leading such an important conversations with uh, with people, um, especially with women um, with visions. Um, uh, Sanya, I born and raised uh, in a in a family where my father was a um, was a leader and a political leader and a lawyer, um, and my mother was an uh, was a homemaker, as as I shared with you, um, and she um, over the over the over many years, um, they've been living in uh, Mirpur, Zahat, Kashmir. I was born there, um, and you know, um, I was born in a home where um, there was a there was a balance of being a you know liberal or being a conservative. Because my mother was a conservative um, religious woman, um, you know, uh, you know the same desi mom um, but my father was a liberal forward looking educated uh, modern uh, man who was was always up for the change dimensions revolutions and uh, talking about um, you know um, very social person as i shared with you that he's a political leader he was also in, into the politics so i was born in a home where there's a balance of the conservatives and uh, again uh, liberalism so i was a unique kid i was in the middle of my, uh, my, I have uh, three uh, sisters and brothers. Sorry, um, and you know I was all in the middle, uh, and um, you know the middle child is always a rebellious or try to balance between the both sides. But in 1996 and 98, my father got a um, kidney failure. He left to uh, UK for for the kidney transplant. We were left all by ourselves. Uh, my mother was since not as much of the educated um, and no skills, but my my elder sister began working um, for a local college and she actually began supporting us um, to go for education. So um, my mother actually put all the seeds of having the vision or concentrating on education, skills and everything. And she said that you don't have to worry about the uh, whatever the crap the, the, you know, people say that you're putting investment on them. 
so you should concentrate on your you know study so my my mother was a, a strong woman so we concentrated on our studies when my father came back in 2000 2000 after transplant um we began applying for 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 the universities and uh, colleges um to in into pakistan because of azad kashmir we used to delay ourselves to one year uh and then uh, we got admission in kaidazim university international relations department my my sister was also there so you know there was a there was a ambition there was a uh, what you say a dream of doing something different um something extraordinary because of the circumstances that we faced in our lifetime my mother used to get a lot of bullying and abuse from uh, from the people around so you know there's a lot of challenges because of the fact that we are women who are um trying to figure out our way so 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 what you described here is very interesting that how society was putting pressure indirectly on your parents and your mother um they were not cooperative and while your mother was acting as a wall between her kids and the society to make you um uh, not only encourage you but also help you keep pursuing your dreams but you were also facing internal um family problems your father was going through a transplant he was not around and then you have your sister who took a leading role in the house that she um started financially supporting you and and this is very interesting for us to understand that different girls in different families in Pakistan have to go through so much while they're just pursuing a simple path for education um so yeah i'm sorry i cut you here but i i would like you to just um you know delve deeper into it and and help us understand that how easy was the transformation from your student life into finding jobs and streamlining your path towards your career you know the transformation was when i joined kaidazam university um so when i got the admission it was a it was a time that it was a you know i still remember the my very first day and i can feel that because why it was important for me because we were facing a lot of um, challenges at home um trying to uh, balance ourselves to you know uh, give something amazing to our parents who were who were facing a lot of uh, financial and of course health wise crises so we both um, myself um, you know i put all my energies into kaidazim university it was a lifetime opportunity for me um and after first semester we begin applying for the internships and all those uh, you know important opportunities but you know we were young and we were not uh, skilled at that time um so there was not luck for for us um, but we still continue trying for not only first year first year of our semesters in kaidazim university then later again um and then um you know that was a kind of transition in kaidazim university because that that um, you know entire period of my um relationship with my colleagues there uh, you know um my classmates and later with my faculty members um you know during that time i also worked with a with a local student led ngo as well where nargisara used to also work um so we spent a lot of time together knowing that what what is happening and how these um, non profit work so um there a lot of uh, student union 
um i was a cr i was you know quite vocal and i didn't didn't um because my amma used to say that you know um you have to deal begin uh, you learning how to deal with people when you be able to deal with these people that who are around you then you are able to transform yourself be a professional lady so she, because of her encouragement and support and you know giving me the confidence of how i can do it so i begin uh, what you say a kind of a transition or transforming it and i left i thought that i will not be going back i will be doing my mphil and appear for the csx exam so csx exam was a huge you know it's a, it's a very important exam in pakistan to be in the bureaucracy so what i did was that i prepared for the exam uh, completed my first first year of the mphil and then sat for the exam and um you know um that exam actually polished me into a different level so even though i was not successful but at this at the moment the results came i was given two projects by my professor who was also my supervisor so two projects for you know re- revising the books for a local professor um in lahore who was who was supposed to be the um you know boss of dr tayrami so i i shared with you that he because of him i learned how to edit how to work how to research and i completely transformed those books that uh, i got a contract for the first year and then contract was the second year as well um so like that yes so you know it's a kind of a transition and transforming i was impressed you know making uh, kind of impressing or making sure that my professor knows that my work um and i was like you know begin having the good um you know in good books of uh, that i am hard working uh, with my professors because you know sanya living in islamabad was a tough for for a young lady who, who do not know anybody so going for a job or applying for a job was was really a hard time just to um help our listeners understand that mehpur is one of the big cities in azad jammu kashmir and it is um around 3 hours drive from islamabad main city and which would be i think around um 85 miles so and and i grew up in main city islamabad and and my home drive from the main city to qaidiazm university uh was itself um 18 miles each way so qaidiazm university is uh, located in the valley of uh, mountains and it's, it's a, the campus is located away from the city um and i can totally understand when you're explaining that for a girl to come from her home from from far off uh, from the outskirts of islamabad and then not only finding job um but also making your way up to look for your you know hostel or um some place to live there it could be very challenging and i can understand because we were not hostelized me and my sister when we were studying there but even coming to university every day and um knowing about the life of hostel the accommodation over there it was so hard for so many of our friends to find um even a room in the hostel to share with another roommate because the hostels were always booked and in the city the trend started increasing while we were there in 2006 2008 but before that it was really not a trend 
for the safety of the girls to have hostels, working women hostels um, in Islamabad. And this, this, this could be um, uh, very challenging for somebody who uh, back in those days, 10 years, 12 years back, uh, figuring out, you know, coming from a city, studying over there, finding job, thinking about safety and security, and also looking for your future prospects. Well, I would be successful in finding a job. Uh, so tell us, um, what are you doing now? What is your think tank doing? Um, are you doing full-time work with think tank? Um, I see you doing multiple projects all the time. So um, share with us, what, what is your, um, what are your projects uh, that are underway or what are your goals up front? Um, what you have done and what are you trying to do? And also leave us with some good tip for our young listeners who are listening to you right now. Thank you, Sanya, for for, for this opportunity. Um, um, I would like to share that I have, um, you know, established this uh, the Diplomatic Insight magazine for the last 13 years. It's been publishing as a public diplomacy magazine, working with the diplomatic missions based in Islamabad. Now we are going global. We are working with the missions across the world, different countries in different missions, having different missions in different countries. So globally we are going. Um, and then after that, we established this Institute of Peace and Diplomatic Studies, which is primarily um, an institute uh, focusing on public diplomacy, diplomacy primarily, and then um, peace studies and, of course, leadership. Um, so keeping in view all these three important, you know, aspects, uh, we established uh, within institute few of the centers. One of the centers which is very close to my heart is Center for Women, Peace and Leadership, which is primarily looking after creating spaces for women to, to be trained to be leaders. Um, so um, this Center for Women, Peace and Leadership has been also, the foundation stone was signed by Mrs. Tawakkul Abdul Salam Karman, who, was, uh, who traveled to Pakistan on my invitation, uh, who is the Nobel Peace Laureate, youngest before Malala, and she was Yemeni. Um, she was here. Um, and, you know, um, this pro there are several programs within the center. Uh, one of the initiatives uh, that I recently took in COVID-19 was Global Woman Inside, which is a podcast like this one as well. Um, then there is a program called Emerging Young Women Leaders Congress. There's a Saman Bal, which is a conversation, a digital link between uh, Kashmiri women from both sides and, of course, globally. Um, so these are a few of the initiatives that we have taken. Um, these centers are meant because Institute is um, is envisioned to be a university, a degree-awarding institute, um, primarily focusing on peace studies, leadership, and diplomatic studies, you know. Um, and these are a few of the initiatives. You can also visit my website. You can follow me on, you know, several social media sites as well. Um, my message to your audience, to the young girls or the women who are, who are who might be listening to us right now, is that, as I shared with you, Sanya, that um, one of the one of the things that keep us injuring or keep us hurting is that we continuously looking at people or hearing their voices, which are worthless, um, because we are we are priceless 
creatures of uh, uh, of almighty we are priceless because we are the ones who create the generations uh, we are the ones who nurture the generations which is without doubt which is not biological but really truly we nurture it so when we are sane we are mentally relaxed we are mentally clear in our visions because we are born leaders we are not made to but we are born leaders we have the abilities we only need to you know scratch those um, you know dirt on all those uh, abilities that we are having and then build on them so i think that every every woman has the unique qualities that they need to take them out and you know explain because and of course this covid-19 and later challenges has also an opportunity of technology where you can reach out you can polish your abilities by hearing these kind of podcasts and also also there are a lot of information is available for you to learn and build your skills so i think that um as i said you need to concentrate building on your abilities forget about uh, all the all the um you know things that are people people say or think about you concentrate on your abilities skills and you know financially stable yourself and of course skillfully develop your not only yourself but also your generation thank you farat for your time and sharing your life story with us it was wonderful to have you tonight farat's story is about resilience despite family challenges she kept pursuing her dreams In 15 years of struggle she earned her name. In case you want to contact Farat, I'm sharing her contact information in the link in my podcast. We will be back again with another inspiring story of a woman with ambition. Till then, bye-bye.